We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part at work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. Who should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Marketing Nerds. I'm Brent Satoris, and I'm joined today by Jay Baer, a well-respected author, speaker, and president of Convince and Convert, which is a digital strategy and media company. Uh, Jay, it's great to have you on the call today. Brent, thanks so much for having me. Delighted to be here. I'm a huge nerd. Uh, it is an honor to be on the show. <laughs> That's funny. It's, it's, it's a great thing in, in today's culture that being a nerd is now something to be proud of, right? Um, it's been, <laughs> it wasn't always that way. It was not always that way. So one of the things that I, I kind of want to jump into here is a little bit of a, um, a compliment and that leads into a question. One of the things that I've really enjoyed about your career so far, and I can't really say the whole career, but what I've seen of your career in marketing and so forth, um, it, it is a very interesting focus that you have, whether you're speaking or writing, you tend to, I don't know if this is on purpose or just happens out this way, but you tend to follow almost the timeline of a business's adaption to social as they use yeah. it in marketing. And, and, yeah. and it's, it's a very it interesting, it is on purpose then, right? Yeah. I mean, we... You know, as an as an organization and as a speaker and as an author, I don't really have any ideas. I really don't. I, I'm in the translation business. So between our blog and our podcast and our email and our work with corporate clients, what I do is take in a lot of information from a lot of people and a lot of conversations and circumstances and 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 conversations over beers and reading everybody else's email newsletter. And so what I really am, Brent, is a translator. I translate what is happening or what's about to happen and put it into a context that other people can understand. Um, and, and that's what I feel my role is. And so I, I believe my goal is not to, I'm not a futurist, right? I'm not, I'm not here to tell you what's going to happen in 12 years. I'm here to tell you what's going to happen next year. Uh, and so I very intentionally over time tried to say, okay, what do I see next? And let's make sure that we have something important and valuable and relevant to say about that, which is why my new book is about customer experience, because I think we're entering this new era now where customer experience and customer service will be the new marketing. And it's interesting because your, your utility book came around the time when everybody was like, okay, I've got to have a social media account, right? I've got to be in mm -hmm. social media. But it was this very, um, you know, for me, social really came about from marketing, right? It was an SEO kind of play for link building. It was, you know, very, very early on, it was to support search marketing efforts. And so everybody right. that was coming into it was be, being taught kind of like, a, a kind of opposite way in which society would use social, right? Um, and, and so you see the utility kind of teaching that concept of, hey, the best way to sell to somebody is to really help them, right? Be present during the conversation. And that really resonated with me because I started in SEO for senior care where nobody came to say, hey, I want to put my mom in a, in a home. <laughs> right. They would say yeah. like, how do I take my keys away from my father? Or how do I install a rail in a shower or put a ramp in the garage? And so I really learned kind of at that point that it was like by helping people you were being a part of the process and creating a relationship and so utility really touched on that and then right about the time when people started realizing you know social media is immediate 
was when you came out with the now revolution, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yep. really started speaking about that. Do you feel that we've, we, the companies and the, the efforts that you've put into place, have you seen a transition in the space where companies are starting to understand the concepts of utility and now? Or are you oh, still yeah. thinking we have a long way to go? Absolutely. Well, of course, we have a long way to go. Uh, Of course. Uh, Now Revolution a little bit. um, You know, that book was a little bit ahead of its time. But certainly many of the things that my co-author Amber Nesslin and I talked about in that book are are very true today. A lot of things we talked about with regards to social listening and and social crisis management and and also community management and and how you can infuse passion for the, the business into your workforce. A lot of the kind of HR elements of that book are very, very true today, as it turns out. Uh, utility is an even more direct uh, circumstance where, uh, I mean, literally we have dozens of clients who call us and say, we're implementing utility in our company. Can you help us? Um, and these are some of the biggest companies in the world. So it is incredibly gratifying as an author to to write something that, that literally is now in many companies sort of a, a lingua franca for them and how they think about marketing and how they talk about marketing and content marketing through that utility prism is uh, it, it's really gratifying. And I have to give it to you uh, and all authors because I've sat down a number of times. I, I've thought about writing this book about Reddit, you know, because I've been marketing mm-hmm. on Reddit since you know, early days. And uh, I, I just can't write a book to save my life. So, um, you know, hats off to you guys for being, you know, an author. Uh, you can do it. So <laughs> you can do it. You just got to, you guys got to break it into pieces, right? I mean, there you're, you go. You know, you're, you're a blogger. You just say, look, you know, a, a book is, you know, a book is 50 long blog posts. That's all it is. Right. And you just have to kind of do the outline. I hope you do write it because I don't understand Reddit very well. So I would love to read it. Um, you, you mentioned for, for a second, a couple minutes ago about customer service. And that's really where you're, <laughs> you know, you're going with your, your conversation now and with your new book that's coming out next year. But, um, you know, it's also where we're seeing the biggest, you know, kind of ripple effect in social right now as well. We're seeing like the ABC uh, bakery, right. That's now out of <laughs> business with their nightmare. We saw, you know, there was the one bridal company that didn't respond to comments, you know, on their, their page. And, and, and so social, you know, you know, customer service and social was a nice bonus for a long time, but it really is an absolute essential for any company at this point. Um, and, and so you're, you're going to go into that concept with your new book, which is called, you know, Hug Your Haters. And yeah, it's, you know, we, we have for a long time thought about, uh, social media, as as you said that you did early on, uh, as a way to sell stuff, and and it still is in some cases. But but I think what we've discovered over time, as business people, is that social is first and foremost a way to interact with people who have already given you money. Because think about who you follow on Twitter, who you follow on Facebook from a company standpoint. It's typically the companies that you already patronize, right? I mean, the the research shows that approximately three quarters of everybody who follows a business on Facebook is a current or former customer of that company. And and of course they are, right? I mean, you don't go to Facebook and say, hey, I've never heard of this company. I have no idea what they sell. I'm going to like them and make sure I get them in my feed, even though I have no idea what they do. Typically, a social media interaction is a trailing indicator of a business relationship, not a leading indicator of a business relationship. And so uh, in my new book, Hug Your Haters, we did tons and tons of research, researched thousands of uh, Americans to figure out who and where and why and how they complain. 
shifting. And what we found is that the pendulum is shifting very, very quickly, which should not come as a surprise to anybody listening here. The pendulum is shifting very quickly from uh, people using the telephone and email to complain to people using social media and discussion boards and review sites to complain, uh, partially because it's easier. I mean, if everybody's carrying a smartphone, it's easier to, to, to bitch on Twitter than it is to wait on hold. And because companies in many cases give you better service if you actually uh, complain in public as opposed to in private. And so uh, companies in most cases are just not set up yet to handle customer service in a way that is online first. Uh, it's, it's sort of an adjunct in most businesses today. So that's what the book is about. And, and your, 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 your book is focusing on a more proactive approach to, to really dealing with this type of situation, to dealing with unhappy customers and, and solving issues immediately? Yeah. Or, uh, both proactive and comprehensive, Brent. So the, the, the two kind of key uh, lines in the book are that haters are not your problem. I- ignoring them is. And, and the hug your haters recipe is to answer every complaint in every channel, every time, every complaint, every channel, every time. Now that almost never happens today. Uh, but why doesn't it? If someone called you, you would call them back. You, it, it's, it's unthinkable that, that somebody would call a business, leave a voicemail uh, in a business context and you would never call them back. But we routinely ignore uh, what is equivalent to a phone call in Twitter and Facebook uh, and a number of other places. So, so in general, we have not seen companies really feel comfortable at this. I mean, you see a couple standouts who really handle yeah. this well, but for the most part, people, it's, it's, it's a, it must be a very hard sell to explain to somebody, you know, hey, not only do I want you to, you know, solve the issues that you're having with existing um, customers, but I want you to seek out these problems. Um, mm-hmm. How do you get, you know, how do you get companies? How do you get the buy-in to this type of concept? Yeah, I mean, that's that's literally why I wrote the book, is is to make sure that people understand that every complaint is a gift. See, ha- haters are not what kills your business. What kills your business are the the sort of meh in the middle, the, the people who are dissatisfied but never complain. In fact, the research shows that only 5%, 5% of dissatisfied customers ever take the time to complain in public. So that means for every complaint that you find on Twitter, for every complaint on Yelp or TripAdvisor or Reddit or Instagram or anywhere else, there's there's a lot of other people who have had a similar circumstance but just never took the time. So you, the haters, the public haters, are sort of the unelected representatives of your overall customer base. So it is incredibly important to not only seek those people out but to listen to what they're saying because you know the best way to do customer service is to actually be a better company. But if you don't actually yeah. know what's wrong with your business, how are you going to do that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and and I think that, you know, it also kind of leads into this idea that, you know, as people are starting to learn more about what their problems are, then they kind of avoid these issues going forward. Um, so I, I think that's a very interesting. So So when you talk about solving problems quickly, how quickly is quickly? You know, should companies, you know, you know, some of these companies, they have like a lot of delays because they're like, oh, well, we needed to go check with our legal or we need to, mm-hmm. you know, look at these type of issues. How quickly is quickly in your mind? And, and should companies be looking to kind of get approval in advance? Like, should they be looking for potential problems, getting the responses, you know, together so that when these do happen, they can respond even faster? Yes. I mean, for, for common questions, you should absolutely have in your pocket um, sort of an appropriate response. Now, you don't want to copy and paste per se, because that looks kind of cheesy, but but you should at least be able to uh, know how to address common questions. 
uh, here's the here's the data on that question, Brent. So um, there, there's two important points here. One, people who complain in public, what I call in the book the onstage haters, onstage haters actually in most cases aren't looking for an answer. They're looking for an audience. So when people complain on Facebook, when they complain on Twitter, when they complain on Instagram or Google Plus or LinkedIn or, or Yelp or a forum, only about half the time, actually slightly less than half the time, do they actually expect a business to respond at all. Usually they're just bitching, right? Like meh, right? However, when they do expect a response, they expect that response about half the time within an hour or less. So the good news is that half the people don't expect to hear back from you. The bad news is that those who do expect to hear back from you expect to hear back from you quite quickly. And, and and so going kind of with that same line of thought, you know, I mentioned earlier, a lot of the examples are the companies who have been pushed. There's a lot of people that are pushed into social, right? Right now, it's like, you know, they talk to a consultant. It's like, hey, you need to go create all of these accounts. But then, you know, if they don't really have a strategy set up, if they don't really have the people in place or the understanding of what they're trying to get out of social, a lot of times they end up leaving dead accounts out there. Mm-hmm. Do you think that companies today should still, you know, do that land grab if they don't have the capability to kind of manage it? Or is it actually becoming something that ends up hurting companies now? Well, from a marketing standpoint, from from a proactive social media standpoint, I, you know, it, having a having a ghost town account probably doesn't hurt you. But from a reactive social customer service standpoint, it does hurt you. Because if you have an account, people logically may assume that they can get help on that account. And if you're not managing it, if you're not staffing, if you're not paying attention there, you're setting up an expectation for customers that that is not true, that could be a challenge. Now, that being said, that is platform-specific. Um you know, if we, we don't see in the research a lot of people complaining on Instagram or Google Plus or LinkedIn, M- the overwhelming majority of social media complaints of social media customer service outreach today is on is on Facebook uh, and Twitter and actually in some parts of the world also WhatsApp and WeChat. So if you had, for example, a, a widowed Google Plus account or a widowed Instagram account, that wouldn't bother me too much from a customer service standpoint today. Uh, you know, two years from now, I might have a different answer. That's a really good point. I mean, for anybody listening, is that like, look, if you're feeling like you've got to do eight different accounts, at least you know the, you know, at this exact moment, what what the focus should be, right? Facebook and and Twitter. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I see out there is an opportunity, right? As a marketer, I, I see the opportunity for companies that are doing um, basically they're hugging their competitors, haters. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about the opportunity to kind of step in and help a competitor's customer with their problem and take take that opportunity yeah. to step in? Do you think that that's something that you know can backfire, or is there is there really only good that can come out of that? Oh, it can definitely backfire. Uh, I've seen it mostly with telco, you know, with with mobile phone guys, where where somebody will complain about AT and T or Verizon. And two seconds later, T-Mobile's like, hey, bro, we got you covered, right? Why don't you come over here? We'll pay your cancellation fee. It's going to be awesome. It's, you know, it's nothing but, you know, daisies and gravy over here. Uh, like, they, that's, a, that's a strategic and ongoing thing that, that they do, and, and many other brands do it as well. Uh, I think that is a little bit distasteful. Uh, 
I feel like you'd be better off instead of trying to reach out to that person in two seconds, um, try and reach out to that person with something useful, with a utility, and, and do it with enough distance that it doesn't feel quite so obvious uh, to me. I just, I just, it just feels a little. It just feels a little cheesy. Now, certainly it can be effective. I totally get that. But but if I was going to counsel a, a brand on a program like that, I would say, come up with five things of actual value. Um, here's a great infographic. Here's a really interesting ebook. Here's um, you know some some other information you might like. And then set it up so that if somebody complains about a competitor, you answer back in a in a very kind of casual way a day later, not five seconds later. Do you think that, you know, just kind of solving, so, so essentially people should kind of focus on maybe solving some problems for them? Like, uh, you know, maybe even like you mentioned the telcos. So if somebody's got like a cell phone and they're having a battery life issue, maybe link to an article on your site that explains kind of how to get more battery life. I mean, again, it kind of goes into the exactly. utility element. No, exactly. That's 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 a terrific example. Uh, that's exactly what I mean. And I would And I would probably not do that five seconds after they posted the original complaint tweet, just because it's it, it just so obvious at that point what you're doing. But if it's, you know, a little time has passed, like, hey, I saw that you had a problem. You just, you know, you might like to see this. It might be helpful for you. You're not trying to sell them anything. See, that's the, that's the fundamental problem with marketing is that be- we believe that we have to sell people. And if you do it right, they will sell themselves. They're not stupid, right? You don't have to lead people to water and then hold their head underwater. You don't have to waterboard your customers, right? Just line up things for them that they find valuable and they'll figure out how to give you money. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. Like the soft sell in general, it, it, yeah. it tends to do so much better. I mean, granted, there's always a way to win. You know, I mean, people always, I think that's the problem is that people end up winning somehow. But I've often thought that when you do win with the hard sell, it doesn't actually make the customer feel good. It ends up just being your own personal win and not, you know, the, the customers yeah. win. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely um, am on the same, pa- you know, same page with you on that. It's essentially, it's essentially the golden rule applied to business, right? I mean, many people listening to this show uh, have probably heard the saying, uh, everybody wants to buy, but nobody wants to be sold to. Yep. Yet, yet as marketers, we violate that principle every day even though we know that that's not how we want to be sold as consumers. Somehow we think that every consumer in the whole world wants to be sold one way, but us as people want to be sold a different way. It's crazy. It's, it's hypocrisy. And it, it's really quite, um, you know, not to sound bad, but it's, as a marketer, it's quite humorous because you do hear that and you can identify that kind of hypocrisy in, in almost everyday conversations with clients, companies, or, or peers even, where they're like, no, no, people don't mind getting, you know, emails all day and night. People don't mind being called at eight o'clock, you know, <laughs> in the middle of their dinner to, to ask them if they want to vote for somebody. Robocalling's awesome, right? And you're just like, yeah, awesome for the, your conversion on, this, on the low end, but not for the user experience. Yeah. Right. So yeah. with with your book, um, when you when you come out with Hug Your Haters, I don't know exactly how you're planning on kind of walking through that. But if I could ask one last, you know, kind of, um, you know, bit from you, it'd be great if we could, you know, say to people that are listening to this, if, if you want to start down this path in advance of, you know, getting this book and, and really looking at this strategy, what's the early steps somebody could do? What's some monitoring? Yeah. What's some things that a yeah. company can start paying attention to right now? You bet. Thank you. Uh, The book is officially released March 1st. Pre-orders are available now on Amazon or at HugYourHaters.com. 
the best way to get at this initially is to do what we call a convince and convert and in, in a service that we offer to companies, an honesty audit. So an honesty audit is where you take a look at all the feedback, all the complaints, all the interactions that uh, you might have had or potentially could have had with customers over a 30-day period or a 90-day period, whichever suits your uh, time horizon. And you say, okay, what are all the interactions? What are all the things people asked us about? What are all the complaints we got on Facebook plus Twitter plus the phone plus email plus Yelp or whatever is your version of Yelp in your business? It might be Spiceworks or G2 Crowd or whatever. Uh, as, and so you kind of you sort of create an inventory of all the customer contact. Now, sometimes it can be a little tricky to do phone depending on the size of the company, but um, you may have to just do it online. And then you say, okay, well, how many of these did we actually answer? And for those that we did answer, how many of those did we actually answer satisfactorily and honestly? And you can literally do it in Excel. And if you start there, you'll find a bunch of places where you have missed opportunities to keep a customer. And, and, and it's really not just that, you know, people might look at this and think this is kind of just a marketing play, but this is really a business strategy play more than anything, right? Here's an amazing stat for you. Each year in the world, we spend $500 million on marketing. I'm sorry, $500 billion on marketing, $500 billion on marketing, and $9 billion on customer service. That makes no sense. Yeah, that's Because insane. we know, we know, like there's tons of research on this, right? That, that even a 5% increase in, in, or sorry, I should say a different way, a 5% decrease in customer churn, a 5% decrease in customer churn can create a 25 to 75% increase in profits, right? So I think everybody who's been in business longer than two weeks knows that you're much better off keeping the customers you've already acquired than you are constantly kind of filling a leaky bucket. But yet we don't behave like that. We, we put so much more time and effort and resources into marketing than we do into customer experience and customer service. And, and that's why I say that customer service is the new marketing because all the things that we've learned about marketing the last few years – now we are going to apply those same principles to customer service and the companies that do so, we're going to be much better off. The same thing happens with like phone companies, right? You call up your phone company and you're like, hey, my two-year whatever deal ended, um, can I get you know some kind of deal? And they're like, um, no, I'm sorry. These are only for new users. And you're like, well, I'm going to go to the next you know, television company and just get the better deal from them. Wouldn't you like to at least match that offer? And you find companies that have kind of eliminated their, their staff from being able to make those choices and to be able to be flexible. You know, what, what, do you, what is your view on, on why companies are still kind of doing that? There's a few reasons for it. Uh, in some cases, it's because literally it's cheaper for them to get a new customer than it is to give you whatever you need to, to keep you. In uh, and, and some of those high volume businesses like cable television uh, or, or mobile phone, it, it's actually mathematically cheaper for them to go re replace you than to keep you. So that's why they're like, yeah, whatever. Sorry, man. Uh, which is really unsatisfying as a consumer, of course. Uh, in some cases, it's because the people, and you just mentioned it, the people who are actually on the front lines of, of Twitter, Facebook, the phone, email are not empowered, right? They, they have not been given license to do things off script to keep a customer. Uh, and in some cases, it's just corporate culture. They, they just, you know, it's just not part of their DNA to say, we care about customer retention enough 
to do what needs to be done to keep a customer in many scenarios. Now, look, the, the hug your haters formula of, of answering every complaint in every channel every time doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that the, that the customer is always right. In fact, the customer is often wrong. But it does mean that the customer is always heard. And that's the first step. And I think that, could, that can be the final step in a lot of cases. As you mentioned, some people just want to vent. And, and when I want to vent, a lot of times when I'm done, I'm not mad at that person. But if they don't respond well to it, then I absolutely am. And, yes. and it's a moment yes. to really, you know, I think that's another distinction that is, is often lost from businesses is that, you know, let them vent happily. And then you can actually end up making them feel better without having to do anything. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot of psychological science on that too. That that says that you know people really need to get it off their chests, and th- and that once they do, uh, you, you have a much better chance of resolving that problem and keeping that customer. Well, Jay, I have to say I absolutely love the concept. I think it it, it really is the future of where we're going. I've said for a long time that social media offline is really no different than social media online. It's society coming on, you know, being, you know, advanced through technology is going to really kind of level out the field and bring back a lot of traditional concepts. I think what you're talking about in this book is going to be very valuable. And I really appreciate you spending the time with me today to kind of talk about it. Uh, My pleasure. Great to be here with all the nerds. (laughs) Thank you, Jay. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.